Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Jeremiah 29, going to start uh, with verse 11 this evening. This is uh, somewhat of a, of a familiar passage, perhaps, to son. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end, that then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. If I may, I'm going to read verse 11 out of a New Living Translation. This might be a translation that they have oftentimes used in our world. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. For a little while tonight, I'd like to minister this. Seemingly bad timing for good news seemingly bad timing for good news hallelujah will you lift your voice with me right now can we collectively bring our minds and our thoughts into captivity right now father god i come to you this evening god we need lord jesus your anointing we need your strength god we need your help lord in this place touch every heart every mind of every believer i pray oh lord let there be a word that would go forth lord that would help God, perhaps each and every one of us, God, let it be applicable, Lord, for our souls, Lord, and we'll be thankful, God, and grateful to you and your goodness, God, for what you have done, God, for what you have accomplished. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Amen. Before you see the night, give your neighbor a high five. Tell them that's good news, just bad timing. Amen. You may be seated this evening. If you never have, this may be your first time, but probably, probably for a lot of people, it has not been their first time that they've been exposed uh, to this scripture in Jeremiah 29 and 11. Uh, it is, it's what I call one of those graduation verses uh, that people slip in uh, graduation cards that they have on plaques or mugs that they can give away how the Lord has plans for uh, that individual's future for good uh, to giving them hope. It's a very popular, very popular verse in Scripture. And as a matter of fact, if you have been a Christian for any length of time, uh, then you have probably read over this verse many, many times. Maybe uh, you have even memorized it yourself and put it into uh, your memory. It is one of the most, the most quoted promises of God's, God's scripture right here in Jeremiah 29 and 11. Uh, and it's comforting. It's comforting. It's a comfort scripture, really, if you consider it, that God, God knows what he thinks about us. I'm glad he does. God knows what he thinks about us, and he thinks peace, the scripture says. He thinks peace and not evil for us, and God has some good plans for your future. You can see how that can even be comforting, that God has some good plans for your scripture, and I believe that God has some great plans uh, for your life, great plans for my life, and a lot of times when we read 
that scripture, we begin to interpret those great plans that God has for our future as something that's going to probably just materialize in the next year. Really, whenever people write those in graduation cards or we read the scripture for ourselves, a lot of times we are already interpreting uh, the plans and the future and the great things God has for us to uh, probably materialize very quickly, uh, come into the picture, into the scene very quickly. At least that's the way oftentimes it is portrayed, amen, even from ministry and people that this is a verse for kind of a name it, claim it type thing, you know. Uh, just say that God's gonna look after you and have, uh, have plans for your future and watch out tomorrow because here comes your future, a great, great, great day you're gonna have. But sadly, many times the scripture is used and taken out of context whenever we do that. And so in order to put it properly in context, we gotta read the verse that is prior uh, to verse 11 and read verse number 10. For the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 10, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place for I know the thoughts that I think toward you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you unexpected end now whenever you couple verse number 10 now with verse number 11 does it change a little bit how you feel about verse number 11 uh, he knows your future he has plans for you not of evil but of good but after 70 years great news God seems to be bad timing for most of us, it does change just a little bit the impact that that would have upon our life to understand that our future and the good that God would have for us would need to be waited for for 70 years for God to perform this promise. And the promise being predicated upon God's timetable, not necessarily within the next year or the next few days as I would like to view it or as I would like to see it. So we read then in verse number 11 a very great, great, great promise, one of the greatest promises even perhaps that we find in the Bible and then we read seemingly a bad timing of Jeremiah 29 and 10 and so it's gonna take 70 years for all this to come to fruition. It's gonna take 70 years for that goodness to happen in your life. And so we started racing it off our mugs and Xing it out of our graduation cards when we understand the good news is going to take 70 years. We might not quote it as often as we would understanding it in the context, but let's be real today. God oftentimes gives us promises even throughout his word. We have seen time and time again God giving promises, but many times predicated upon conditions that if his people will do something, God will do something. And, and although the promises that God will have a plan for our future and that he will give us peace and not evil and give us an expected end that's very true the condition is just this you just got to wait 70 years for it He, can, he conditions promises upon those conditions, not so that we can earn things from God, not so that we can earn our salvation, but simply through the fact that faith without works is indeed dead. And it is a promise that isn't always fulfilled right now. Every promise that God gives isn't a turnkey tomorrow, amen, that thing coming to fruition. Every prophecy that's ever spoken into the life of the church or life of an individual isn't just to the assumption, well, within the next year it's gonna materialize. 
I dare to say there are people sitting under the sound of my voice that I hear those words coming back. Yeah, that's true because some of you are incubating, if you will, some promises that has been spoken into your lives that have not yet even materialized today but maybe five years, ten years old. It's great news, just sometimes the timing's bad or at least to us. I want it fulfilled right now. Whenever there's times of fulfilling later, later usually isn't always within the time frame that I had imagined. Not always within the time frame that I had hoped. And when we think it's good, it's good about this person and think about an expected promise, an expected end. Man, God, for tomorrow or this week or even within this year would be acceptable. God, to reveal my future, the plans that you have for me, I would love that. I, I would really like to know where I'm going from here and what's around the corner. Amen. Even if not today, perhaps this year, God, that would be wonderful. But that's not the purpose of this verse that's given to us in Scripture. The purpose of this verse in Scripture is to give you you and I something to hold on to in the midst of our suffering. It wasn't a word for right then. It wasn't a word for tomorrow. It wasn't a word for the coming year. But it was a word for those 70 years as they were spending in a foreign land that they did not know with surroundings that they did not know that they would have an anchor point they could tie to and say, I know when all of this is over, God has good intentions for me and he has a future plan for my life. Because sometimes it would take a promise every day to hoist ourselves up. Amen, if that were the case. But he says, no, I'm going to give you great news. I'm going to give you good news. It's just going to take 70 years for this thing to come to fruition. What's that going to do for you? Hopefully during those times of struggle and those times of suffering, you can remember that God has a plan. God's intending good. The purpose of this verse is for you and I not to give up hope, not to tuck tail and turn the other way. That in the midst of an uncertain future, we still have a very definite and certain good promise that still yet needs to materialize in our life. Someone say amen. To give us some hope, if you will, for our future. Because see, there's things that are oftentimes being said controversial to the Lord. The opposite is being said of what God has said. Amen. When we go through the story of Jeremiah, amen, it's important to be reminded, amen, of ourselves that regardless of our present situation, God has not forgotten about you. Amen. Regardless of what your present standing may be today, God has not forgotten without you. He's not left you in a situation or a circumstance without hope. He is still our God. We are still his people and he still has a plan for your life beyond where you presently are. We look a little deeper into the story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet that God sent to Israel during this time. And yes, there were other prophets, but many of them were false prophets. For a period, for about 23 years, listen to this, for about 23 years, Jeremiah has been bringing the word of the Lord to the people of Israel and to the people of Judah. And for the most part, 
Jeremiah's message has been ignored. The people has not listened to him. They were not obeying the word of the Lord that Jeremiah was speaking. They were living in sin. They were worshiping idols. They were listening to false prophets. God was trying to use his prophet, his man of God, to warn the people through Jeremiah. But they simply were not listening. And finally, God said, if you do not listen to Jeremiah, I'll send Babylon down to destroy you and take you captive. Now, the people didn't believe that. They didn't accept that message from Jeremiah. They didn't believe in it. And as a part of it, it came exactly true because there were other prophets saying quite the opposite. Amazingly enough, Jeremiah, man, he's my type of minister because you find yourself in this place sometimes. But for two and a half decades, Jeremiah preached truth without any results. For 25 years, he was preaching the truth and people were ignoring his words. He didn't have any results. Amen. After giving Israel an opportunity to repent and make things right. Amen. God allowed Babylon to come and to destroy Judah and to take her captive. And it wasn't until Judah and Israel were taken captive, they began to wake up. They began to listen to the voice of Jeremiah. Now that their lives had been taken from them. Now now they're ready to listen. Now that they're servants of another land and another people. They're ready to obey. Now that their children have been uprooted from their home of their nativity. Now they begin to listen to Jeremiah. And shortly though, listen. Shortly after this, here comes another prophet along the way. By the name of Hananiah. Hananiah was a false prophet. But the people did not know that at the time. Now listen to how fickle the people are in Jeremiah's day. Jeremiah's message was this. You're facing 70 years of captivity because of your disobedience. Now while you're in captivity, here comes a false prophet by the name of Hananiah. His message was this. The Lord has spoken to me that within a couple years, God is going to restore everything Babylon has taken and Babylon will release all of you captives. Guess who believed Hananiah? The same people that disbelieved Jeremiah. Jeremiah says you're going to be in bondage for 70 years. But God has a future for you. He knows your plans. Good, not evil. You'd have it expected in. The false prophet walks up, Hananiah. He says, you're going to be in captivity for two years. God's going to release you. He's going to let you go. Why in the world would the people put more stock in Hananiah than they would in Jeremiah? Simply because of this. Because Hananiah and his message is what the people wanted to hear. The reason why they put more stock in what Hananiah had to say, because that pleased them better. That pleased their situation better. That tickled their ears. That made them feel good about what they were going through. But that wasn't the words of truth. That wasn't the words of God. God said you're going to be here 70 years, but when you get out, you're going to be a better people than what you were when you went in. They didn't want to hear about 70 years of captivity versus two years. Man, I, count me in. I'm on the ship for two years. Hananiah, great is God. You speak truth. Woo! Truth hosh podge. was no such thing as truth. 
And so as a result of this, the people went back to ignoring Jeremiah who they began to ignore from the beginning, not believing in Jeremiah, ignoring him, and now putting stock and confidence in Hananiah. Why? Because the word that they were receiving was the word they wanted to hear. Uh-huh. And so Jeremiah confronts the false prophet. Hananiah, and listen to what he says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Jeremiah 28, 15. Then Jeremiah, the prophet, said to Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but the people believe your lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, you must die. Your life will end this very year because you have rebelled against the Lord. And two months later, the prophet Hananiah died. Uh-huh. Let me give an admonition here today that we must be careful about what and whom you choose to believe. What and whom you choose to believe. Because there are things, the Bible says that there would come some things in the last days that those having itching ears, it's going to scratch where you itch. You that have itching ears, it's going to scratch where you itch and it's going to appease you. And it's going to identify with the way that you think things ought to be, but they are not the way things God has orchestrated them to be. And if you don't watch yourself, you'll turn off the voice of truth for the voice that sounds better to you. But in the end, I'm standing as a pastor in the city of Mount Carmel and telling Hananiah, you're a liar and you must die. Someone say yes. And so they chose that instead of the truth of God's word. Let me tell you very clearly today. The truth of God's word is not always come to you and be what you want to hear. Amen. The truth of God's word is not always going to line up with all of your ideologies and everything that you believe it ought to be and what you have prescribed and boxed in the way that God should work for you. God's not working for us. God's not on our payroll. We're working for the master. We are, yes. And let me tell you, there are di- there's a dime a dozen of Hananias. There's very few Jeremiah's in the world. You'll always be able to find a message that sounds good, that appeases you, that fits you. But that does not mean it's true. Just because they're multiple and they're many does not mean they're true. What is worse, that those messages that sound so good, listen to me, often come when you feel you need to hear them the most. I guarantee you the people in captivity were very eager to hear a two-year tenure at the moment where they were presently positioned already in captivity than if it were before they ever went into captivity. Why? Because they were already steeped deep enough in that that they were thinking, man, it's good to find a way out. But the way out for them at that moment would not have been God's will. God, you're saying 68 more years of this is your will if you want the future plans I have for you. 
So you're telling me you're, you're, you're willing to bargain to have less agony now and more agony later? Rather than just taking what you have now and then having all the plans and the good and not the evil God has for you on the backside of all of this. We're in the middle of our darkest hour. And the message is, here it is. You're in the middle of your darkest hour. And the message is, your darkest hour is about over. Tell me, tell me, folks. Come on, let's get real. That whenever you're in your affliction and your, your calamity, and let's say, lo and behold, a prophet comes through, what you're desiring and waiting for is a word from God. And you're hoping the word is, son, all this is going to change within the week. I wonder how much stock some of us would put into some of them if they said, sir, this is going to last for 25 years in your life. Brother McGee, I want you to know that he's false. Why would we say that? Because it wouldn't be what we wanted to hear. going to be some things in this Christian walk. There are going to be some things developed through the word of God. You will not want to hear. Your flesh doesn't want to hear. Your mentality doesn't want to hear. You don't want to line up to, but you hear this preacher well, as long as it's his word, as long as it's his word, it is truth, and you can sit on that, stand on that, claim that, put log, stock, and barrel in that. Don't you think for a moment that our adversary doesn't know when to send a false prophet your way and a false voice your way. He knows whenever you need a word that's opposing the true word in your life. That's just how he works. Woo. During a time of captivity. So we have this confrontation between the true prophet, the false prophets, people receiving two different messages as we are today. I want you to know we are dealing with false messages, false brethren, false prophecy today. And there is also a true message. But this is where we find Israel. Listen, when Jeremiah wrote this wonderful scripture that I opened with this evening, Israel is in her early stages of this oppression. They're living as servants in another land. Some are there without their children. Some of the kids were killed before they ever made it to the captivity. Some are without their families. They've been estranged from one another. Ultimately, they are without the temple, their way of worship. It's gone. It's abolished. It's no longer active. And all they want, this is how we think, but is it always God's will? All they want is it all to be over with. They want to go home. Sharing 
think it was my wife the other day, and all the details are very, very faded in my mind's memory right now. But I do remember in our tenure in Florida, went to a men's conference down there. There was a young man from another state, I think it was the state of Texas, that had done some severe enough deeds. He had backslid on God and had done some things that warranted him to go to prison. And between the time of that happening, of him actually being appointed to prison, Brother Mason, that young man seen the fallacy of his way. He went to an altar of prayer. He turned his life and heart back over to God, prayed back through to the Holy Ghost, and the church and family began to pray, God, you're able to turn all this around. God, he's come back to you now, and you know, just to show your favor and your appreciation and your goodness upon his life for coming back to you, change it all around, God. We would think that would be a very honorable prayer. God should answer that prayer. God didn't answer that prayer. That young man, although seeing the fallacy of way, prayed and talked to God and came back to the Lord. You know what he did? He was now born again of the water and the spirit, renewed in the spirit, and he was wearing orange going into a prison, high security prison. While there had his life threatened on many times, but it was through his stay in that prison that he started carrying the message of the Lord to inmates that were in the prison, and God was doing the work. A lot of people said, well, God, you're just wrong. You're bad. You're horrible because you didn't change the story and, and you didn't allow where this guy could just get off fancy foot free. That wasn't God's will. That wasn't God's purpose. God says, I'm going to keep you right where you're at because I can use you in the prison or I can use you out of the prison. God doesn't have limitations. We have in our mind things got to be just so-so in order for it to be right for our life, in order for it to be beneficial for our life. But I want you to know right in the middle of your circumstance right now, in the depths of your affliction, God can use your trouble God can use your agony and bring you out a testimony for him in the middle of it all great news for future plans sometimes it just looks like bad timing to you and I they're just, they're just ready to get this thing over with so he writes a letter of instruction listen to me he writes a letter of instruction to all the captives in Babylon. He starts in Jeremiah 29 and verse 4. The scripture reads like this. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, and to all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. He says, build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there in Babylon, not diminished, and seek the peace of the city whether I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. God's word for these boys and girls that thought two years were out of here. That's the right word. God's word and will for their 68 more years and what they thought should only be two. God said in the midst of your oppression. He's not saying back at Jerusalem. But a Babylon, in the midst of your oppression, he says, I want you to live a life as you would live it as though you were still in Jerusalem. 
What I want you to do over there in Babylon, I want you to build houses like you would have built if you were in Jerusalem. Over in Babylon in captivity, I want you to just till some ground and put some gardens out just like if you were back in Jerusalem. Go on and take wives for your sons. Take husbands for your daughters. Don't don't stop reproducing just because you're not in Jerusalem. He's saying reproduction does not have to be regulated about where you currently are circumstantially. First Apostolic Church doesn't have to wait till the building's full, till the money's there, till all the other avenues line up in order for there to be reproduction. But during the affliction, during the hard times, there can be reproduction in the womb of the church regardless. He says, I want you to build homes there. I want you to have family there. I want you to plant some crops there. I want you to seek the peace there. I want you to pray for the city that you live in. And as that city gets peace, you'll get peace. Wow. And if you do these things, you'll have peace in the midst of your storm. Not taking away your storm, but I'll give you peace. I'll give you a similitude or similarity of life as it would have been, but in a place you would not have thought it had been. So I'm telling you and us as believers right now, I don't want you walking around here with your, your bottom lip pudged out. I don't want you walking around here with a down face, a down set countenance and your shoulders dropped over because woe and us, we were brought here and we got all this competition. Let me tell you, don't you be walking around with that type of mentality. God's saying wherever you are, you pray for the peace of the city and you'll have peace. Wherever you are, you go on and plant and you go on and harvest. Wherever you are, you go on and build a work. As though you were in Jerusalem. I got great news for you. It's just us that believes it's bad timing. Or bad positioning. Israel, if you're going to spend the next 70 years in this land, you might as well do everything you can do to obey God while you're here. Because God said, even though I won't deliver, I'll give you peace. Can I tell you this evening, I don't know how long you'll spend in your current situation. I don't know how long your dilemma is going to go. I don't know how long you're going to be afflicted. But keep seeking God. Keep obeying God. And God will give you the peace in the midst of your stone. Storm, God, will allow you to prosper in the land of your adversary. In the land of your enemy. The Bible says it just keeps going in verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Listen to me. Neither hearken to your dreams which he caused to be dream for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name I have not sent them saith the Lord God was saying listen Israel 
there's going to be some false prophets come to you. They're going to share some of their dreams with you. Some dreams that they believe should be as well for you. But don't listen to them. If they tell you what you want to hear, it's probably not me talking to you. I've not sent them. Listen, church, we got to be strong enough to stand up for truth even in the midst of our calamity. We got to be able to stand for it even when it goes against what we want to hear. Because my generation just doesn't depend upon it. My next generation does. In verse 10, the Bible says, For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. He says, you're going to be here for a while. This is going to last 70 years. But after 70 years, I'm going to perform my word. You that have been incubating some promises, maybe from even the very first church, listen to me today. (laughs) You might be here for a while. You might have been here for a while. It might going to last for a while. But rest assured, after the appointed time, according to God's timetable, He will undoubtedly perform His Word. It was great news then and it's great news now. We are the ones that perceive it's just bad timing. So it's in all of that that we can read that he knows the thoughts that we think. The thoughts of peace that he has for us, not of evil, to give us an expected end. I'm telling you this evening, God has big plans for your life. God has big plans for the life of this assembly. There's a great future that is planned for you and I, and it shall be done. It's going to happen. I know sometimes we interpret it all as tomorrow or within the next two years at most. But folks, you got to have something. God gave that to you so you could have something to hold on to during your journey of longevity of it not happening. There's going to be some moments of and seasons of uncertainty before the promise is fulfilled. There'll be some seasons of doubt and hopelessness to you before you reach that hopeful and destined future. If you'll stand with me tonight, this is really the reality of the promise. The reality of the promise is this. This is, this is the reality of it. Sometimes we must wait for our Sometimes we must wait for those things that have been spoken to materialize. You have a promise of deliverance. You have a promise of peace in the midst of your storm. Folks, deliverance is coming. All you got to keep focused on is pressing on. Keep praying. If you could bow your heads tonight, just keep praying. Keep seeking the peace of the city that you're in. Keep seeking God. By all means tonight, I admonish you, keep coming to the house of the Lord. Keep faithful and tied to the church. Don't jump ship just because it's not materializing as quick as you think it should be. You're going to make it tonight. You're still one of His children. God.
God still has a plan for you. God still has a plan for us. This coming April will be six years. We had our first service in this building. Spirits were captured to the third heaven of news of moving. Prophecies have come. They've been recorded on paper and audio. We've rehearsed them. You've heard them. But I think where we cut our legs out underneath ourselves sometime is that through our timetable and perception, it should have already happened. It should have already taken place. And we're saying, since the timing doesn't coincide with what we believe it should be, then what was said just really doesn't hold any water to begin with. Doubts enter. And so we just push it off in our minds. It never is going to happen. You know what that opens yourself up to? The word of a false prophet coming into your life. Speaking of greener grass, a quicker answer a better way less hardship and that begins to rock my baby spirit to sleep as I think about oh that would be nice to be able to enjoy to be able to get out from beneath the load of it not taking place but if you're going to sometimes stand with truth you're going to have to stand through the enduring moments and understand what he said he said he's got plans for the church He's got good plans. He has an expected end for us. Somebody's got to just get above the horizon of, well, it's bad timing. Plant your vineyard right now. Reproduce right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Build your house right now. Pray for the peace where you're standing. Although to your estimation, not the best. Pray for the peace where you're standing. Because as you pray for its peace, you're a part of it. You'll have peace. Seemingly bad timing. But good news. These altars are open tonight. I ask if you would come. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.